Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Wednesday Wisdom. I'm your host, Jimmy Warden, uh, and I actually, believe it or not, we have our first guest on the podcast today. This, this is a really exciting day for, for the Wednesday, Wednesday Wisdom uh, podcast. We have none other than Dan Gothier. Dan, welcome to the podcast. So glad to be here, Jimmy. Really appreciate it, and uh, even more honored to be the first guest. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the viewers, you know, really enjoy this different setup and I'm really hoping to continue to have guests on in the future. And I think it's a, a great way to start here having Dan today. Um, and our topic of conversation is, is actually going to be about last, well, not last, but the last Saturday, August 1st, uh, Dan and I, we actually embarked on running a marathon uh, for the first time together. Uh, and I'll actually let Dan talk a little bit about how that came to be, just because he has more of that uh, origin story. So Dan, do you mind telling us a little bit about how that all came to be, uh, running a marathon, exactly? Yeah, so why did we run our first marathon? Um, so my employer, VSECU, uh, is the um, headline sponsor, or as we say, uh, the event is powered by VSCCU. Uh, the event is the Point to Point, um, and this year uh, the event was going to be brought to Montpelier. Uh, due to COVID-19, we were forced to send everything virtually, um, which had pros and cons, of course. Um, as an employee, I typically would volunteer at the event, as I did last year, um, but because there was no actual event to be hosted, um, we had much more of an opportunity to participate um, by running and riding. Um, and the Point to Point itself is a fundraiser for the Vermont Food Bank. Uh, I believe it is the largest uh, annual fundraiser for the Vermont Food Bank. And this year they had set a goal of raising $150,000 um, for the Vermont Food Bank to help fight hunger in Vermont. Um, and we'll dive into how we actually got to full marathon mileage along the way, I think. Uh, but I signed up to participate as a runner. And um, you were actually one of the early donors. And your, uh, your comment with your donation was, do you need a running partner? Which I don't know if at this point you, uh, you regret or not. But uh, the more the merrier. And I was glad to have you alongside for the run. Yeah, I, I, it's funny you say that. I... Uh, actually, believe it or not, almost slipped my mind, but uh, you're definitely right. I remember just sending that little message and, uh, you know, I was just excited. I think it was a great, great cause that that point to point had going on. And, you know, I was just really, really ecstatic that you were reaching some of those uh, fundraising goals that you had set. Um, and I think that'll actually maybe even lead into how we got to running that marathon. So, Dan, what we're and what were some of the goals? I know we actually didn't talk about this uh, before we hopped on here, but what were some of those fundraising goals that you had set uh, for this Point to Point? So each participant in the Point to Point is asked to raise, I believe it's a minimum of $150 to support the food bank. And um, I wanted to challenge myself to you know, raise more money and to see how much of an impact I could help create. Um, and so with that, I decided to set some kind of fundraising milestones slash challenges, like you said, uh, to kind of, I guess, bet on myself uh, in an effort to raise some additional money. So we had set, uh, I say we, I had set three goals. And um, if donors helped raise $200, I committed to running all of the mileage in one day. And um, because the point to point was virtual, participants were given the opportunity to spread, you know, the mileage out over however many days they wanted to. So I, I felt like this was a reasonable first challenge. Um, so $200 was to run 13.1 um, miles in one day. And then uh, the second challenge was $600. And I then committed to run the first mile with uh, my daughter, 13-month-old daughter, Harper, strapped to my chest in her baby ergo. Um, we actually weren't able to, uh, to accomplish that the day of the marathon um, due to some medical issues, but um, that was a $600 goal. And then what I thought was the big goal uh, was 
if donors helped raise $1,000, I committed to doubling the mileage, so 26.2 miles, a full marathon, um, and that included Harper in the Ergo for the first mile. And when I set that, I said, there's, there's no way we're gonna get to $1,000. Um, and very quickly, very quickly, I realized that uh, we were gonna far exceed that. And it was all for a great cause. I have no regrets about the uh, fundraising milestones and challenges and, and definitely appreciate all of the support um, along the way. So I, I, I thought uh, that would generate some buzz and, and it certainly did that. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with you. I think that just uh, goes to show you, you know, some of the people that you also have, you know, in, in your in your community, um, you know, definitely a lot of people were definitely in it to support that great cause, uh, as you just mentioned. Um, and, you know, and I, it was funny because it was the first time we had both ever, ever done a marathon, something pretty monumentous, we'll say, uh, if that's even a word. Uh, but, you know, it's a big, big occasion, we'll say. And um, I actually, I actually, uh, I don't know if it was a few days after, I actually uh, published a little, a little bit of some writing just like based on some of the thoughts that I had. And I felt like, you know, I personally learned some things, you know, through the preparation and, and just running the marathon in and of itself. Um, and so that's actually what also led me to bringing you on too, um, as well, just so I could, we could kind of, we could kind of just get your side of, of this whole process, um, and really just kind of go through some of those, some of those kind of life lessons that we might've learned, uh, throughout this time that we are running this marathon. Uh, and the, so that actually brings me to that first point um, that I wrote about in the blog was um, I know I wrote preparation for something challenging uh, is important. And then I just kind of give a little bit of my two cents on that in, in that post. So uh, I was just curious, like, why do you think uh, preparing for something challenging is important? And if you could speak on any examples in addition to the marathon, um, you know, from your life experience, you know, whether you've had like any challenging things you've had to prepare for, um, you know, why is it so important that, that preparation piece when you have a challenge ahead? Well, I think, you know, the, the challenging piece, if we drill down on that first, um, you know, by nature, I am, or try to be an achiever, uh, you know, I try to set goals and go after those, um, you know, what is the saying, uh, bags, big, hairy, audacious goals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I love going after that. Um, love challenging myself to try to see what I can accomplish. Um, and I think why preparation is so important. To me, the biggest thing that you can take from preparation is confidence. And I think that applies in a lot of different ways, um, you know, specifically to the marathon. Prior to training and the marathon itself, I had never run further than a half marathon, 13.1 yeah. miles. And that was about 10 years ago. Right. So I've done it, um, but I've never done 26.2. <laughs> yeah. And with that, I've never done 13.3 and, and anywhere in between. Right, so right. through training, I was able to give myself the confidence that I can start and I can finish that full marathon. Uh, and I think that applies to a lot of other areas in life. You know, we're, we're both basketball coaches. So why do you practice? Be it in the off season, why do you practice during the season? You know, why do you work on your game? Because it gives you that confidence. You've had those repetitions. You've been in those situations before so that, you know, when the lights are on, as they say, you're, you're prepared uh, to take on that challenge. Um, you know, from a more professional uh, perspective, um, you know, think about a job interview, right? Or a big project at work, you know, you prepare for that interview, you prepare for that presentation, you prepare for that project so that when the time comes, you have the confidence that you're able to navigate that successfully. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was actually something that I had mentioned is that, that confidence piece, you know, preparation definitely gives you, gives you that confidence that you need. And, and it, you mentioned like, the preparation helps you shine in the light. And, and there's an adage, I think it's like, you know, you work in the dark so that you can shine in the light, something along those lines. And, and that's what preparation is, is really all about. You know, I, and I think it seems that you and I both, both agree with that piece of, of doing the work that's needed uh, in order to then, you know, once, 
once the show goes, once the show starts, you know, the show must go on and, and you must perform. And um, I know I at least tried to pick the brain a little bit of uh, a couple of people that had actually kind of been there before, so to say, like people that had run the marathon. Um, I know, and I know that, that you and I, we actually had the nice opportunity to run uh, with some of the U32 uh, cross country members as well as their coaches and and they were kind of giving us some advice. And do you feel like there is any of their advice or maybe any other advice that you might have sought out elsewhere helped in order, you know, helped us in any way, maybe helped you in any way for the marathon? Definitely. I think relying on the experiences of others ahead of time, you know, through training and the day of the marathon was huge. Um, I reached out to several people and, and I'm very thankful that, that they shared, you know, their wisdom. Um, you know, uh, former coworker Ryan Robitaille, he's the Burlington High School cross country coach. Um, you know, so I reached out to him. Of course, Andrew Tripp, the U32 cross country co uh, coach. He, uh, you know, he shared some advice and then, as you mentioned, invited us on one of their, uh, their famous Saturday morning Maple, Maple Corner runs. Um, reached out to uh, Brian Burns, um, and he uh, he also shared some advice. So there were several people that I reached out to um, to just kind of, I guess, better understand what they experienced. Um, you know, and that's everything from how many miles you should be running, how often, you know, things to look out for in terms of injury prevention, um, calorie intake the day of, you know, just little things like that, that not having done it before was a bit of an unknown for me. So, you know, having that expertise from, from those different folks, um, again, gave me, gave me some confidence. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so the next, next point that we're, that we're going to take a peek at here is, um, is number two. We have this idea that, you know, has definitely been put out into the universe before I wrote it down. Uh, but Doing something bigger than yourself uh, keeps you going. Um, so that's kind of a, a statement about, you know, just a, an event. Again, this, this marathon, it's, it's a big thing, and we were doing it. You know, we were doing it for the Vermont point-to-point. -point. Um, and that's, you know, those are some items that are bigger than us. And how do you feel like just, how do you feel like knowing that we were doing something bigger than ourselves kept you going? Like, how did that keep you going? Honestly, it was like a snowball. Um, it started out seemingly small, uh, given the opportunity to participate as opposed to volunteer. And, um, you know, I was interested in, in doing something to be active. And, and certainly it provided a nice distraction from everything COVID related going on. And, <clears throat> you know, and then I saw photos from the Berlin food distribution with literally thousands of people lined up for miles mm, yeah. for basic necessities. Yeah. And that's when the, the switch kind of flipped for me and it said, and, and I said, wow, this is, this is big. And that first donation comes in, that second donation comes in. And then, you know, slowly but surely more and more donations come in and, and you start to see, you know, people's financial support, you know, for, uh, the Vermont Food Bank via the point to point, you start to see, you know, you receive little texts and emails of encouragement, um, you know, just talking about, hey, we're behind you. And, and that buzz and that energy starts to build. And, and it really just snowballed to where I'm not sure that where I remember exactly when, but it got to a point where, I mean, like you said, the show must go on. And I just kind of, you have all that behind you, pushing you in a positive way. Um, you know, that, that you're, you're doing something for a great cause and you've got your community behind you. And it, it gives me at least almost a sense of invincibility that, you know, I knew we were going to be able to, to finish this marathon. I knew we were going to be able to do that. Um, and so, yeah, it, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun to experience that, um, that kind of snowball of energy. Yeah. And were you, were you talking to yourself? Like, were you having a, a conversation within within yourself like during the marathon uh, about some of those people and about about this cause is that was that kind of how I understood that was that playing it all in your head yeah throughout the marathon you know 
it was hard, right? And 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 when things are hard, it, it's easy to you know go negative or or get frustrated. But just that kind of quick reminder, that that mental check of you know why are we out here right now? Yeah. And thinking back to you know those photos of the food food distribution and knowing that you know that could be friends, family, neighbors, what have you, <clears throat> you know that are as they say, food insecure or struggling for those basic necessities, it very quickly mitigates any frustration or pain or inconvenience that you're experiencing because that's so much bigger. Yeah. Um, and for me, it was very easy to kind of park that or, or put that away and just focus on, you know, as I kept saying, one foot in front of the other. Just put one foot in front of the other and uh, we'll, we'll finish this thing out. Yeah, and we were even, you know, we kind of had a little little mantra, just just keep going. And and I know that was something that I had mentioned, um, you know, throughout some of those videos, those live videos we were trying to take. And and I would agree, you know, I was definitely trying to think of of all those people behind us, uh, but more importantly, yeah, like those people that that really were in need, um, because like you said, it almost kind of gives you that, you know, it's it's more than just like that second wind. It's almost like a almost like a surge like at least how I kind of felt it um in terms of how that helped generate some some energy during those times of turmoil because it yeah it, it was extremely difficult and uh we'll we'll kind of talk more about how difficult I uh, really got as we as we continue to go um and I know we were just kind of talking a little bit about the the conversations that we were having in our head and Actually, before we get into that, Dan, uh, I just had, I had a quick question. Uh, do you know exactly like how many families, and maybe we can touch on this at the end, uh, but how many families ended up getting fed as a result of your fundraising money? Well, I can tell you that $3 donated to the Vermont Food Bank allows okay. them to provide five meals. Okay, so $3. All right, so everyone hear that straight. So $3 provides five meals. And based on donations as of today... Um, you know, all of the donors were able to help fund 7,072 meals. Wow. Um, just over 7,000 meals, uh, via the Vermont food bank. Um, wow. you know, so that's, that's a lot of, yeah. again, our friends, family, neighbors, absolutely, um, and people yeah. you may not realize are, are struggling for those necessities are, uh, are making use of the Vermont food bank services. Absolutely. And yes, thank you. Yeah. Thank you to all those people that people that uh, donated money to Dan, it's it's going to good use for sure. Um, yeah, I just felt like that was an important point to just bring up too. Uh, so let's, yeah, we'll move into this third point. We talked a little bit about conversations that we were having in our head, you know, talking about those big causes, you know, knowing that this event was bigger than us, that kind of kept us going. Um, and so this third talking point is the more you control the conversation in your head, the more likely it is that you'll achieve your ideal outcome. Um, you know, so I was just thinking, just because I, I know I wrote a little bit about how I personally had a hard time, uh, especially towards the end there, controlling the conversation in my head. I was really kind of in some pain and, you know, and I, I really was letting that get to me at points in time. Um, but so I was curious about how much you were able to control the conversation that you were having in your head, you know, what, and maybe what were some of the things that, that you were saying, and do you feel like you were successful in, uh, controlling that conversation? Overall, I, I would say I was pretty successful in comparison to, to how well, or perhaps poorly I normally control the conversation. Yeah. Um, there were some common themes throughout the day, you know, man, this is really uphill or man, it's really getting hot. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. you know, but a, a quick nod to that. And for me, I'm able to voice that process it and move on. Mm. Um, I know some people, you know, maybe have more success trying to keep it out of their mind or, or handle those things differently. But for me, I kind of, uh, call it out or identify it, process it, and then just move on to the next thing. Um, so I don't know, I guess if I was controlling the conversation, but I was able to uh, minimize, I guess, the uh, the impact on some of those uh, yeah. those negative thoughts mm. or, or negative uh, conversation. Yeah, no, I hear you. It's you can't. Yeah, I guess the control probably is a is a tough word to use there because I don't think 
we can necessarily control. But I think like your approach, that, that mindful approach of like, yeah, it's hot. Like you notice that and then you, but there's nothing you can do. Cause that's, you know, that's nature. So you just gotta, you know, just gotta keep going like that mantra we had. And, and, um, for sure, I think that's something that we got to just keep in mind, you know, anytime, anytime you're facing something difficult in life. And because like you said, it's very easy to, you know, start pointing the finger, start making excuses, or just genuinely just, you know, just being upset about the circumstance and, and feeling like there's nothing you can do. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, that's, that's not necessarily accomplishing anything. So I think it was really crucial for you, you know, and for myself as well. But I think that's, you know, perhaps why you felt like you had that success because you were able to move on. Do you feel like that's kind of like what was going on? You were, because you were able to move on, you were kind of able to have better self-control, we'll say, of that conversation? Yeah, and one, one thing, one phrase I've been making uh, use of a lot, it seems like lately, um, is this is our reality. Yeah. You know, whenever yeah. kind of the circumstances, um, you know, aren't so favorable or, or the deck seems stacked against you, uh, you know, at some point there is a reality and, you know, it's easier for me to just kind of face it and say, this is our reality. And, you know, per our mantra, just keep going. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, it's uphill. Yeah, it's hot. Um, but that was our reality and we were in the middle of a marathon and the only choice was to keep going. So, um, I've, I've found that useful to, to help kind of process through some of that lately. Absolutely. Uh, so that, that'll actually bring us nicely into the fourth point. Uh, pretty straightforward here. Uh, self doubt and excuses are poison. Um, and you know, I know I, I kind of was talking about a little bit just now and saying how, um, you know, I was having a hard time controlling the conversation in my head. Um, and I think, you know, at least I know for at least me personally, um, at least me personally, I know that really had an effect on my physical output and, and my physical abilities um, because, because I allowed that self-doubt, I allowed the excuses to creep in and take over at times, uh, especially during, you know, those last those last few miles, those last couple of hills. And it's, uh, it was definitely challenging. Um, you know, so at any point, did you have any self doubt? Yeah. So I definitely had self doubt. Um, I can remember three distinct times during training that I had that self doubt. The first time was when you and I got together for a training run. We went down county and over on Town Hill. And it had to have been low 90s, very high humidity. And for whatever reason, I was a dog that day. Um, and I just remember thinking, like, if I can't do, I forget what we were doing that day, five, six, seven miles, whatever yeah, it was. Some, yeah, it was one of the lighter runs, yeah. If I can't do that, how on earth am I going to do it five times? Yeah, yeah, we got the five mile right there. <laughs> um, so that day, that was the first time I had self-doubt. And then the next time was the first Saturday that I ran... Uh, I ran a half. I ran 13.1, started at U32, went out Brazier and did a loop and came back. Um, and that day, it was tough, but I didn't run again until Thursday of the next week. I ran on a Saturday mm. and didn't run again until Thursday of the next week. Mm. My body felt like it was 100 years old. <laughs> and I just remember it felt like Everything was bone on bone. Mm. Everything ached. And I said, if I can't do a half, how am I going to double it and do a full? Right. Um, and then the third time was actually the day we joined up with the U32 cross team for their Maple Corner run. Um, it was you, Trip and I. And we yep. started out, I want to say, it felt like a five-minute mile pace. But it was probably... <laughs> I don't know, like eight and a half, nine yeah, minute yeah, mile pace. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what Trip ended up saying it was, eight and a half, nine minute pace. Yeah. Nothing unreasonable. And the first mile or two, again, I was just a dog. 
Yeah. And then about halfway out, I had to let you guys keep going and I had to walk. Mm. And I did end up running again and tried to get to the, the landmark we had pointed out um, that would have gotten me about 13 miles that yep. day. And, and was able to run back, but then again had to walk and you guys caught back up to me. And I just, again, that day is kind of like, you know, you and Trip just went zooming by. <laughs> and I was like, Jimmy might have to carry me to finish this thing out. Cause right. I, if I, I don't know if I can do 26 miles. Um, every other day seemed pretty good. You know, people would ask how tra how's training going. And honestly, I felt really good. Um, aside from those three specific training runs, I was pretty confident going into it. I knew, you know... It, it was an absurd training schedule, right? And and as Trip would tell you, nothing he would recommend as a coach, but <laughs> the window was the window. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, we were going to complete it on the day that the point-to-point -point was supposed to be hosted in person. Um, you know, so surprisingly, training went really well. Um, but yeah, those three days, I definitely had self-doubt. Yeah, you know, it def definitely went as well as it could. And it's funny, it's funny you actually bring up the you know, that you, I didn't know that you actually thought that at one point about, you know, me needing to carry you to the finish line because I, when, when Tripp and I kept going, we actually, we actually, that actually came up in conversation. He brought it up. Uh, he was saying that, you know, cause, cause we were, cause, uh, to give a little more context, we were just doing a timed run. It wasn't like we were necessarily setting out on a mile, a uh, certain mileage journey that day on the Maple Corner run with the U32 guys. Um, it's just, you know, go out, run. I think we were trying to run for just two hours straight and however many miles you get. Um, we were about 40, 45 minutes in, I think it was. Um, and then Tripp and I kept going. And he and he definitely mentioned to me if, if this is what it's going to be like for you guys on race day, or excuse me, on the marathon day, he, uh, you know, he definitely told us that we had our work cut out for us. And I just remember, and going back to that whole preparation piece, you know, get like picking his brain was a great you know, that run was definitely a great way to pick his brain. And I think we took some of his advice, you know, there with the start ridiculously slow. I think we were, you know, when we first started the marathon, we were going at like between like a nine and 10 minute pace, you know, the first few miles. Um, and, uh, you know, we just kind of, kind of kept it going, kept it going from there. Um, and I, you know, it's funny because like you said, it was pretty unorthodox training, but I feel like we Within that time frame, I feel like we prepared, you know, relatively well. Um, definitely not as well as one should for a marathon. Like, we're just putting that out there. We don't recommend that anybody do what we did. Um, <laughs> but, uh, hey, it gives us, gives us a story to talk about here today, for sure. Before you move on, yeah, I, yeah. I do want to share, because one okay. of, like, we talk about, like, this, like, buzz of energy and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And one of my favorite parts of this was I got an email from trip on July 10th yeah, and yeah. I was, I was updating like donors and things with kind of my journey through this process. And as I outlined the plan of when we were going to run and all that, I got an email from trip that said, damn, you are going to run the full 42 K after a month of training. The runner and running coach in me says that is crazy and violates all training wisdom. The other side of me says respect. And I kept referring back to that email during training runs, the marathon, et cetera. Um, I love the fact that it was crazy and love the fact that it earned uh, Trip's respect. So yeah. I, I appreciate that, um, that, that email. Yeah, we, and we definitely, I know he was jabbing us a little bit, you know, with our training methods. We definitely trained like basketball guys, but hey, you know, we, we got it done. Um, yeah, and we'll actually talk a little, hopefully we'll be able to kind of touch back on that towards the end here. Uh, when we get into it but anyways it's funny because of that whole you know lack of preparation some might say um you know we kind of needed to overcompensate in some areas and i think an area that we overcompensated well i don't know if you ever actually that's yeah a bad way to say it because i don't think you can ever really overcompensate uh with effort that's that's kind of the next idea we we're going to talk about is i felt like you know we you know we really had to put in that extra bit uh extra bit of effort to really kind of get through and get through to the finish line and so that's what brought me to the fifth talking point is uh, effort can bring you to places you've never been to before. You know, neither of us had lined up and finished a marathon, but lo and behold, I felt like it was really a lot of just sheer will, 
you know, within, within that marathon that, that kind of brought us to, brought us to the finish line. Um, would you agree with that, that it was really just, you know, really a kind of like gutsy more than anything else and full of effort? Definitely. Um, it might not have been the most graceful run or finish. Oh, heck no. But, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, I think guts got us through and, um, you know, really the, the takeaway for me there, um, and this is something I always kind of try to keep in mind is that we are capable of so much more mm. than we even know of ourselves. Um, so that's why I say I'm always looking for that challenge. You know, I think it was probably eight years ago, I did the Spartan uh, Beast at Killington. And, um, you know, I'd never done anything like that. I'm not, certainly not uh, an avid gym goer or things like that, but I wanted that challenge. Um, and I got through it. It might not have been graceful, but I, but I got through it. This marathon was no different. Um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not an avid runner, uh, though I, I think you have to be at this point. If you do this much training, I think you're, you're by default somewhat of an avid runner, but, um, we're capable of so much more than, than we even know. And uh, I love to try to push those limits. Yeah. And I would say we're both pretty similar in our nature and our character in that way. Uh, that was really a big reason why I asked you that question, uh, with the donation that, I uh, gave to you just because I wanted to see too what I was capable of. Uh, you know, just because I myself had started to kind of get back into running. I've kind of gone through some spurts. I know you were talking about how we kind of have to be avid runners now. And I haven't always been super consistent with it, um, but I started picking it back up. And, and I just felt like that would, you know, be a little bit of a, a motivating factor to continue to put in effort each and every single day uh, to eventually to eventually achieve that outcome of finishing a marathon. Um, and, you know, that was that was our goal. Uh, for sure. It was definitely that goal of, of just finishing. Um, at least personally, I know uh, we had talked about, you know, we're not going to be setting any records uh, with, with our time. Um, you know, and, and so that was really our goal, just to, to, to finish it. And so that kind of goes into talking point number six here uh, that I wrote about is you'll feel bad letting people down but you'll feel worse letting yourself down. Um, so, you know, and I, and I mentioned some of my ideas in, in the blog, you know, and thank you to those of you that, that have given it some time to read it. Um, so Dan, I, where we're going to go here is, is I'm just going to ask you if you feel like it, I'm going to ask you whether or not you agree with that, uh, talking point or that lesson that I derived from the marathon, um, you know, do you feel like you feel worse when you let yourself down versus letting other people down? I think I definitely hold myself to a high standard. And I, I guess I hadn't thought about it until kind of I read your blog and we started talking about doing the podcast. But not finishing was like literally not an option for me. I never even considered it um, because I wanted to challenge myself to finish. Um, now, yeah, I think, you know, if I'd rolled an ankle six miles in and wasn't able to finish, people would have accepted that and said, you know what, I totally get it. Um, but I would not have been able to accept that. I would right. have been disappointed that I didn't press on and didn't finish. Um, so I, I guess I can agree with that, that, you know, I certainly would have felt bad letting other people down. Um, I think I would have felt worse had we not been able to fundraise as su successfully as we did. Um, you know, maybe we, we didn't hit even that first milestone or, or fundraising challenge. Um, I probably would have felt like I let people down there um, and certainly would have, would have been disappointed um, with myself. But uh, in terms of finishing, I, I think, you know, people would have probably given me a pass. But that would have been um, tough to swallow for myself. Personally. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I would, I would definitely agree. I mean, I, I personally felt the same way, um, you know, as noted, as noted in the blog. And I, I agree with you. I feel like people would have been like, Oh, you know, like you guys, you guys tried, you know, you guys, you guys gave it your best and, you know, but, you know, and like you said, just kind of letting, letting us off the hook, so to say, 
Um, but I know personally as well, like I, I wouldn't have been able to sleep at night knowing that, that I had set that goal and, and didn't finish it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's important for, for individuals to hold yourself to a higher standard than others. I think that connects well with kind of like what you were saying about your personal life. You really try to hold yourself to that higher standard, almost like higher than what other people would even, even expect of you in a way. And, um, you know, I think if people are, are striving for that, I think, I think you're doing all right, um, in my eyes, at least. Um, so I think it's, it's super important for us to take that into consideration when we, when we approach things uh, in life, whatever adversity that might be. Um, and, you know, and when you start to face adversity, when we talked about it a little bit earlier, you know, it's really hard to stay positive, you get in your head, you have negative self-talk, self-doubt, excuses, whatever it might be. Um, but positivity is, is, that, is that polarity, is that, pol- is that opposite, you know, that can have, have, a, the, have a drastic effect, but in your, in your favor, it's a much more, much more beneficial way of trying to reframe, you know, the situation at hand, you know, which is why I thought of this idea, um, and I'm sure it's, again, been put out there. I'm not reinventing the wheel here. I'm not taking credit necessarily for manifesting any of these talking points. But uh, number seven was positivity isn't hokey, it's powerful. Um, And again, we're going to kind of, I'm just going to ask, you know, do you, do you agree with that idea? Um, You know, and if so, you know, how, how is positivity powerful and not hokey? I think positivity can be hokey. um, But I, I think of fake it till you make it. And even if you are kind of, you know, I guess being facetious with your positivity, um, it's better than being negative. Yeah. You know, it's better than pulling others around you down. And um, I think over time, you know, that can manifest into actual positivity. Um, So, you know, I try to be cognizant of, of where, you know, we were at, you know, physically, mentally, et cetera, you know, through the marathon and, um, you know, my, my go-to or my fallback is, is to try to smile and laugh. Because uh, at the end of the day, you know, you have to, uh, or I believe, you have to have fun with what you're doing. Um, regardless of how hard or difficult or inconvenient or frustrating it might be. Um, for me, there's got to be fun. And so my fallback is, is just to smile and laugh. And, you know, I, I think... Um, that type of positivity, especially when genuine, can be can be really powerful. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, you actually just brought up some really cool cool ideas that got me thinking a little bit. And I feel like it's, um, you know, that can almost like when you're saying like almost like kind of that fake it till you make it. That in a way can almost even hopefully manifest like some gratitude. At least I know some of the some of the positive things or ideas that I was really thinking about during some of those times of turmoil during the marathon. It's you know, I'm thinking, wow, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful to be able to do this. You know, it's, uh, I think it's a gentleman's name, I think is John Gordon. He's written a bunch of books, uh, you know, all about energy. And he's, uh, he talks about, you know, get to over half to, you know, I think, you know, we approach that marathon of like, hey, we get to run this marathon, you know, because of the amount of fundraising that occurred. You know, and even during some of those difficult times, I, I reminded myself like, hey, I get to do this, you know, and I'm looking, looking around. Wow. Like I get to run in a pretty beautiful part of the United States of America. You know, people can say what they want about, you know, Vermont, but, you know, some of those scenic views, you know, you can't you, you have to really search high and low for that and go to specific places. But, you know, luckily, given where we're at, it's it's right there for us. And, you know, I, I tried to kind of remind myself of of that and, and having gratitude. And I felt like that kind of helped me stay positive. Did you have any have any gratitude, you know, for certain things? Like, was there anything along those lines kind of running through your head during the uh, marathon at all? Yeah, I especially as we started to approach the end, um, believe it or not, it was actually kind of bittersweet. Because mm. uh, there was so much buildup, right? There was so much um, energy and, and and so much community involvement 
um, that, you know, it was, it was a little bittersweet for it to all come to an end. And I was really thankful for all of the support and, you know, again, thought back to the conversations and texts and emails and, and just all of that kind of buzz and positive energy around, you know, everything that, that we were trying to do. Um, and then to have, you know, uh, my wife, Samantha and, and daughter Harper and, and, um, her parents, you know, waiting for us at the finish line. It, it was kind of bittersweet. Um, you know, and I, I, I'd be lying if I, I said I didn't get a little emotional on that last climb and just kind of thinking about all of it. And, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was, it's funny you say that the whole emotions thing, I think I was, I was even just close to tears because we were there, uh, you know, at, at that finish line, it almost seemed, it almost seemed surreal. And it really was pretty awesome knowing that we had all of those people, you know, just the people that you mentioned, um, you know, and we'll get to mentioning all the other people along the way, because that's really this, it, you know, leads really well into this last last idea that I wrote about um, number eight here. Uh, people that are there for you in challenging times are real people and they love you. Um, so that's pretty deep. Um, <laughs> you know, um, so again, I, I, you know, we'll start with the whole, you know, what do you think about that, that thought? Um, you know, and then if you just wanted to mention any of the people that might have been there for you personally and, and how you might feel, you know, how are those relationships? What are those relationships like with some of those people? Yeah. Um, you know, the, if, if, um, if the best thing or my favorite thing from this entire experience was the money we raised for the food bank, one A was the community involvement. Um, had I just done this and, you know, an anonymous donor cut a check for $4,000 and we ran out and ran a marathon, that wouldn't have been a lot of fun for me. Um, but all of the conversations and encouragement and support and advice and, and all of that along the way and the interaction, um, that was equally as, as great and, and as fun for me. Um, you know, there were a lot of people on the course, which I know you're going to thank, so I won't steal your thunder there. No, that's all right. We can, we can um, thank people twice if we want. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I mean, you know, we had the, the McKinstry family, yep. um, posted up bright and early right around eight forty. Yeah. Um, on route 12, as we headed out of Montpelier towards Horn of the Moon road. Uh, so they were, they were the first folks to, uh, to give us a little energy boost there with pom poms and cowbells and things. Yeah. Um, you know, so thank you to you guys. And then, um, as we, went from Horn of the Moon Road to County Road. We um, met up with Jack Salinga, who was on his bike, and uh, gave us some, some road support there, um, you know, down county. And then he, uh, he took off and, and headed back, um, headed back. And then as we went from Townhill on to Bliss, uh, Margaret McCoy and the rest of the McCoy family, uh, Margaret McCoy met us at, at the end of the driveway. She had uh, lemon water ready to go, yeah, bottled water, kind bars, oh, they yeah. made up signs, um, you know, so that was, that was nice. And then, you know, behind us comes Jill Zalinga in the car. I know, it was, yeah, it, was, it was funny too, because it was literally right after. Yeah. Literally right after. Yeah. Cause, cause Jill had some type of energy bar and Gatorade. And oh. I, I remember waving her off. Yeah. Yeah. I was so thankful uh. she was there, but I said, there is no way I can eat an energy bar or drink a Gatorade. Yeah. That, that, it's funny. That even goes back into like the whole preparation thing too. Um, you know, the first thing we talked about and, you know, I remember you were telling me, uh, and the people that I had talked to, too, I actually talked to um, my old roommate, Gretchen Singer. She had run a marathon before, so I was just getting some of her two cents and advice. And, you know, it was consistent, and they were both saying, both Gretchen, uh, Coach Trepp, and they were saying that don't really do anything differently um, when you go out to do the marathon. And I know um, we both tried to consume some calories, you know, whether it was eating a little granola bar. I had these, you know, electrolyte powder mixes, which ended up, kind of backfiring it just kind of made my stomach queasy I know it didn't really sit well with you either um but uh yeah it's it was just really funny too because yeah because when Jill when Jill had those bars we both are just like no 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 like this isn't this is not happening this is not happening but we, you know we were we were really appreciative of uh 
of the offers. It was just, our bodies literally just couldn't handle it at that time. Um, but yeah, and then I think it was, it was pretty cool too. Cause even, you know, so she did that and then she ended up going to pick up, pick up a couple of her, her kids and, and, uh, Kalen Zeilinga even ran with us. That was pretty cool. Uh, give him a quick little shout out. He probably ran, I don't know, what was it like four, maybe like five miles with us? Yeah, it was, it was four or five miles. Um, whatever the distance, I know he was really sore the next day, so. Yeah. <laughs> Just for the record, for the record, Kalen, if you end up listening to this, we know. We know you were sore. Um, yeah, and it was really cool. You know, that was probably, um, you know, mile 14-ish, I think it was, that we saw uh, Margaret McCoy and Jill the first time, you know, and then Kalen started running with us. And then Jack even, Jack even started running with us. Jack almost, uh, you know, he was he was kind of the man of the hour with, with the uh the support in terms of just being there as almost like a pacer yeah had it had he gone for a swim that day he would have put in his bid for the full triathlon but, yeah uh, but yeah he joined us on foot um around sodom pond and then we kind of we came out into the clearing and then i'm gonna lose track of the roads but um right there when you get on to sibley mm. um kim and zach brown were waiting yep. for us on the corner um zach brown uh shout out because he was decked out in his uh lebron lakers shirt uh, so geez. um that was a nice uh energy boost and yeah then, for you <laughs> for me for me no, it's good to see zach it was an energy boost for me too i just don't like the jersey <laughs> anyways and then uh yeah and then so jack took off um kind of just before east montpelier elementary and then we were on our own for a little while and then he showed back up on bike yeah and finished it out with us and then again um samantha and harper and, and her parents um deb and rob were, were waiting for us with some some signs and cowbells at the finish line and uh you know so obviously appreciate everybody that that offered support the day of um, oh, and I almost forgot, um, we ran into Heidi Bennett and her daughter on Sibley oh, yeah, as well. Yeah. They were, uh, yeah. they were out for a jaunt in the, uh, in the Jeep, yep. in the top down. Um, and, uh, you know, Heidi was, uh, one of, uh, one of our, our donors as well. So, um, I think she, she gave us a hard time and said, why aren't we running? Yeah. Was so was Jill. Jill was doing that too. You know, so I think, uh, I, you know, we needed that ribbing. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, uh, you know, appreciate everybody that provided support that day. And, and again, if, if they weren't there that day, uh, you know, I'm sure there was some interaction leading up to it. And, right. And all of that kind of balled up into one was, was really what made it so much fun for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. I would agree with you 100%, you know, just having all, all of those people. And, you know, I actually want to give a quick extra special shout out to Jack. Um, I, you know, I probably ran out of water. I don't. I don't know what mile it was, but um, I think it was right around the time that we we hit, we just passed East Montpelier, the, and then there was that field, uh, that... Vincent Flats Road. Yeah, on Vincent Flats Road, um, and there was, a, there was a farm area and this large tractor... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not great with all spreader. The, it, it was it was a manure spreader. Yeah, um, and just still learning the terminology. Timing was stuff. outstanding. Timing was impeccable because right around and this is actually funny. It was right around that time. You know, they started spreading manure just when you know just when Dan and I needed some fresh fresh oxygen, and and that was that was actually when I started freaking out. I was kind of like my spiral and full disclosure. That's where I, that's where I started. All the negative things happened because that. Well, I say it, but I let it happen. But that whole manure thing happening, I started spazzing out and yelling, and that's when not, I started. Not, that, that's when I started to worry about you. Yeah, not one of my most glorious moments. And so, anyways, going back, yeah, going back, I just want to thank Jack because it was shortly after that he caught up with us on his bike, and I was actually catching cramps like in places that I didn't even know you could catch cramps. Like I didn't realize that there were actually muscles like surrounding your shins. So like I actually got cramps neck like on those muscles, like in the front of your leg, in front of your lower leg. So I was cramping there and it so and we were going downhill and you know I just was letting all these all these adverse things get to me and um Jack was a saint. He drove he rode his bike to a couple of different houses and got me some got me some water and uh 
some little electrolyte packets, uh, little sticks. So I mean, if I didn't if I didn't have him there, I I'm uh, I don't know if I would if I would have made it. So just want to give a quick thanks to him. And um, you know, I also want to I'd be remiss if I didn't thank uh, my girlfriend Rachel, who couldn't be there. Um, she had uh, some important family matters to take care of that weekend. However, I will say it was so bizarre. Um, her texts, she texted me only a couple, two, three times. She knows me really well. I like to, you know, kind of get in my zone, we'll say. But some of her texts were really timely uh, throughout the race. Like kind of when I needed a little extra jolt of energy or like a little boost or like a reminder of like whether it was gratitude or like, you know, even kind of that fake it till you make it. There were times where I was like trying to convince myself, like I'm not tired and I'm not hurting, which was just a lie. But <laughs> anyways, she would send me, you know, just send me the really most timely of messages. Um, and those definitely really helped me out in, in getting to the finish. So I'd, I'd be remiss if I did not thank her as well. Um, so that kind of wraps up to those talking points, but I actually had a couple, a couple of other small things because, and we didn't talk about this. We were just talking about all the hills. Um, you know, if you've been to Vermont, you know, it's not flat, but, uh, what was it, Dan? You had, you had the exact statistic. Um, so we, it wasn't, yeah. So again, to describe a little bit of this, uh, marathon course, it was about, what'd you say? Half and half, uh, between pavement and dirt road or um i don't know if it was quite half and half i think it was probably more dirt maybe okay. like 60 40 okay okay dirt yeah so about 60 40 uh dirt to uh pavement but the kicker is it was how many feet of gain or of elevation that did we end up running through <laughs> yeah so based on um the map my run app it was 2,703.4 feet of gain over the total course. Wow. Um, and that's where when we started talking to some of the people um, that we mentioned before, some of the, the, more, the people that have more expertise in this area, um, they, were, they thought we were crazy uh, to do that for our first marathon. Uh, after running it, I would agree. Um, probably not the 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 smartest of courses to run for your first marathon if you're not wanting to to cripple yourself um so my question is uh and and I even and it's funny because I even was trying to get you to change course and this is after the the maple corner run with uh the u32 crew and I was running with trip and and we were well he and he even was saying it to us actually after when we were coming on the back end the back half of the run and we all caught back up again and he was telling us, he kept telling us like, change your course, change your course. And why didn't, why didn't uh, you want to change the course, Dan? Um, so that course, uh, I developed that course actually pretty early on. Yeah. Um, and I felt so lucky that I was able to get a great starting point in VSCCU and a great finish point in U32 and nail it at 26.2 miles. Mm. So part of it was, I had worked pretty hard to figure that out, and I didn't want to have to, uh, you know, put in additional effort to change it. But I will say, every time I heard someone ask about the course, it just made me want to do it even more. Mm. Every time. So, well, you know, you guys, what if you just went down to the track and ran... I'm going to get it wrong, but ran 120 laps or, you know. Yeah, the equivalent of, yeah. The you know, what if you what if you did this or what if you did that? And in my head, I just kind of like, I would get like a, sm a, a slight grin on my face. And just in my head, I was like, no way. We're absolutely doing this course. <laughs> so that just solidified it every time I heard someone say that we should change it. Uh, because again, I go back to what I said. I'm seeking that challenge. Yeah. I want to do something that, you know, has people say, man, you're crazy. Yeah. No, I in a reasonably... Yeah safe and responsible way <laughs> yeah it's calculated calculated crazy. very calculated calculated but, crazy. um and the other thing that i i was really committed to and and you know you might think it's silly but the, one of the easter eggs that i dropped in one of my facebook live videos when we ran the marathon was if you look at a picture of the route drawn out on a map mm. it might be a v for vsccu 
or it might be a U for U32. Uh, if you look at the shape, yeah. it, it might be one of those two things. So yeah. insert shrug emoji. All right. Yeah, um, no, that's true. <laughs> so I was pretty committed to that early on. Gotcha. Yeah, and I remember, yeah, I think that's, I would I would agree with you on that. It's kind of cool, you know, in the, you know, I, I don't agree that I wasn't agreeing with you at the time. And definitely when I started spazzing out. But after the fact, um, I'm actually really glad that, you know, you stayed true and, and you held strong. Because like you said, it's, you know, it, it's whether it kind of polishes the, the resume, we'll say or not. Um I feel like we, yeah, we can kind of put a little bit of a feather in our cap saying, hey, like this is our first one. And again, we knew we knew we weren't going to break any records, but, you know, I think that's something, something uh, not to sneeze at for sure. Um, so last, you know, last thing I really have, last question. Um, do you have any regrets about any of the process? You know, whether it was, do you regret anything about preparation? Do you regret anything that you did during the marathon? Um, anything at all? I don't really have any regrets. Um, you know, of course, there's a small thing here or there. Mm. Um, you know, like the uh, the electrolyte drink mix that yeah. uh, that we shared on on Saturday. I probably wouldn't take that again. Right. Um, and that went directly against some advice that Trip had given me to not experiment with any new products or diets, etc. The week before. Well, not only did I do that, I ended up doing it the day of um and yeah for whatever reason that that electrolyte mix just did not agree with me so i guess you can call that a regret um but really nothing major um i really enjoyed the course i thought it was super picturesque uh fortunately a lot of it was shaded mm. uh, which i think really helped um and i again i thought it was a, a fun course to run um, would have loved probably a little bit more training time, but if you're not going to put in the full 15 or 16 weeks that, you know, uh, I guess most people recommend, I don't know if another week or two or three even um, really would have helped us. Um, so, no, I don't really have any regrets. Um, I thought it was a, a terrific experience. I appreciate all the support, certainly, you know, your donation and, and your offer to run. Um you know, I think my challenge to you is next year I'm going to challenge you to uh, to participate as an actual signed up or registered participant for the point to point, and uh, I'm going to see if we can get some more of those folks that were were so interested and supportive along the way to do the same, and see if we can't uh, you know build a little bit of a team. Um, you know, because I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to a new challenge next year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I I would agree. I remember we yeah, we were talking about that. That would be really cool if we could we could get that team going and try to raise a little bit of extra money, um, you know. And I guess really the only thing I can think of, you know, I would agree the that whole electrolyte mix is probably not our best idea. I definitely regret that. Um, I definitely regret not packing enough water. Uh, that was all me on me. Uh, probably should have well, packed more water. <laughs> it's plain and simple, and. Um, Probably yeah, I'd trade the food for some of I uh, trade the water for some of the food because I I really didn't eat anything. I was anticipating that I'd eat a lot more, but again, that goes back to not doing that already. You know, not having tried that before um, made it difficult that day. Um, and I guess the last thing, and I, it seems like I actually kind of have a lot of regrets <laughs> now that I'm starting to voice some of them. But uh, I mean, the last thing is like. I, if, if I could do it again, I know I, I was in a lot of pain at the end, those last couple of miles, but, and I'll, and I'll say this, this, I'll leave this is on the record on air. I definitely envied the fact that somehow, and I, I literally said this to Jack and Jack can quote me on this. Um, I said it, I don't even know how many times, but I just said, I don't understand how he's jogging. And I say jogging, but like, you know, some, if some people, someone was driving by, they might say like, you're just not, but the way you were moving and where I was standing, I know I was walking at that point, but you, you kept jogging. And that was one thing that I just, I, I really, I really wish I, I could have tried to do that a little bit more that way. And we did finish together. 
Um, we finished together, but that was thanks to Dan. And, and that was actually another, I, I'd actually even like to thank you. I saw that last little uh, push, we'll say. You said, you said, I am not finishing this thing alone. Like, just keep going. And, and that's kind of what got me going. And I, I was able to at least jog out that last little portion. Um, but yeah, I was struggling really heavy there. And I just just had that wall and I just wish I tried to push past that a little bit more. Um, but that's really it, I guess. Um, I was surprised you know. as you as you were based on our, <laughs> on our training. <laughs> yeah, you were the guy. Record. You were the guy that would go for seven a seven mile training run in the morning. Oh, well, that's but um, I didn't know about it. And yeah. I text you and say, "Hey, you want to go for you know six or seven miles this afternoon?" And you'd come with me. And then at the end of the run, you'd say, "Yeah, so I did seven this morning, and we just I finished know, seven. I forgot. Yeah. So was... based on all the training. <laughs> I was more surprised than you were that I was that I was yeah. able to, to finish out. Like well, I that. think. Well, I think it's. Uh, this is actually, and it actually brought up another uh, thought that I had. Well, you you definitely ran the course way more than I did, and that was one thing that I, I guess there's another bang. There's another one. Chalk it up. Another regret. If I if I could have done it again, I probably would have tried to run the actual course a little bit more because you know your training methods and all that. Uh, actually, yeah, it was really you. For the most part, you were just going and trying to chunk out that marathon, right? In terms of how you train. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that's a technical term, but I think on this podcast, we'll make it one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I tried to chunk out the overall marathon. So, yeah. um, you know, the very first training run that I did, I had Samantha drop me off at VSCCU and I ran from VSCCU out as far as I comfortably could. Um, and then I came, I, I ran back and, and met her back in town. And then the next day, she dropped me off at VSCCU, and that time she actually uh, went out to the Wrightsville uh, Beach, mm. and I ran all the way to the Wrightsville Beach. Certainly uh, a little bit past Horn of the Moon Road, but I had chunked it, you know, the first I think five miles. Um, and then over the course of all the training runs, I wanted to have run every section of the marathon at some point. So mm. some days I would go out for you know a short out and back for two or three miles, but I made sure it was on the course, right. you know, when possible. Um, and, and certainly if we were traveling or things like that, I would, I would do a training run elsewhere, but over the course of the training, I was able to run the entire course at some point. Um, and I think that goes back to your point about preparation for something challenging, just having been there and kind of knowing the landmarks, knowing the terrain that gave me confidence. Um, so, you know, I, that was, that was really successful for me. Yeah, no, ab absolutely. And everything, you know, everything really kind of comes down to that preparation in terms of, in terms of the performance for sure. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that kind of, kind of wraps things up is, uh, do you have any final, final words, any final thoughts that you wanted to leave, leave our listeners with? No, not, uh, not really. Um, you know, I guess, uh, as they say in the biz, shameless plug, point-to-point um, -point fundraising, although the, the event itself, uh, the, the virtual aspect of the event occurred earlier this month, they are still accepting donations through August 21st. Um, I'll have Jimmy drop the, the fundraising link with the podcast. Um, but, you know, any, any donation helps. Every $3 allows the food bank to provide five meals to those in need. Um, you know, so it's, it's tremendous buying power and, you know, uh, as, as you know, you know, being a coach in, in our basketball program, our one non-negotiable rule is be a great teammate. Um, and that's what I was trying to do at the end of the race. I, I felt that you had put so much in that, uh, you know, sure. Could we, could we shave a few minutes off the finishing time? Um, we could have, but it was more important to me to finish together and, and be a great teammate there. Um, and, and really raising this money for, fellow Vermonters, our friends, our family, our neighbors, um, that's being a great teammate. So um, appreciate all the support along the way. This has been a boatload of fun, and I'm looking forward to including the link to this podcast in my final recap email to uh, to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'll definitely make sure to put the fundraising link in the show notes. Uh, so wherever you access your podcast, whether you're getting it on Anchor, uh, Apple Podcasts, you should be able to find it in those show notes or any other uh, podcast platforms. I'll also be trying to post it to my Facebook and Twitter if you follow me uh, or are friends with me on Facebook. 
Um, yeah, and lastly, you know, I just want to say thanks to you, Dan, uh, for allowing me to join you on this journey. Um, that was very selfless of you. You were a great teammate in allowing me to join you in that aspect, uh, just because, you know, you know, we wouldn't have done any of this if it wasn't, if it wasn't for that fundraiser that you were doing. Um, so I just want to say thank you for allowing me to, to be a part of it. Um, it was, it was an absolutely phenomenal experience, something that I'll definitely never forget. Uh, and definitely thank you for coming on the podcast and, and being the first guest. Yeah, this was awesome. So yeah. cool. First yeah. guest on the podcast and uh, hope uh, hope to be able to join you again soon. Yes, absolutely. And thank you to all the listeners out there. Um, again, just be on the lookout for that link in the show notes if you would like to uh, send some money Dan's way to fight hunger in Vermont. <laughs>